Thank you for listening to the Moral Revolution podcast, pursuing God's design for sexuality. For more content, visit moralrevolution.com and follow us on social media. Hey, so we are excited. We have Chris Volatin with us today, and this is actually the relaunch of the podcast, the first one in four years. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. 2013. <laughs> what happened to us? We went silent. Uh, I don't know. We, uh, <laughs> we went stealth. We, we lost the dark. microphone. Lost <laughs> <laughs> the megaphone. Exactly. So, yeah, we're, we're excited in 2018 to be, to be bringing it back. I'm Cole. Uh, my wife and I are the new directors of Moral Revolution, for those who don't know us, which is most of you. Uh, and and we're I, excited that you're with us. Yeah, we're excited to be here. Hand-picked you. Hand-picked. FaceTime chosen. Exactly. FaceTime <laughs> chosen. Yeah, so, Havla and Ben and, and, and Kathy and I chose you guys to run, yeah. to lead this organization. And, and you just started, but you're already doing an amazing job. Well, I appreciate it. We're honestly, we feel like we're pinching ourselves every day. We can't believe we're doing this <laughs> and get to do this and get paid to do it. It Awaken. seems yes. we're ripping somebody off and it's probably you. So. <laughs> <Nah>. <laughs> uh, don't believe that. Uh, so we're going to, you know, our heart with the podcast is to help create amazing free content that churches can use, leaders can use, individuals, um, single students, married people, anybody that is trying to figure out the answers, God's answers to sex, God's design for sexuality and biblical truth for it. And so a lot of the podcasts are going to have very specific focus, but we're going to be able to reach a number of different people in the broad array of the topics that we have. Uh, and today we want to kind of just dive into the why. Why do we do what we do? Why does moral revolution exist? Where, where did it come from? What were the dreams that God put in Chris's heart as, as God was launching this ministry years ago? And so, um, yeah, I mean, Chris, if you, you know, obviously I know the background, but a lot of people that are following us are, yeah. are you know, just last couple of years even have joined the moral revolution, you know, movement, fo- <laughs> movement family. Yeah. So, <laughs> We'd just love to hear from you. You know, what did God do in your heart? What what sparked this and, and prompted you to build this? You know, many years ago, I was in a little town called Lewiston, California. And the, the Lord told me that I was to walk and pray there until he told me otherwise. And so every Sunday night for a year, I walked and prayed for every Sunday night. For, and and wow. uh, it was a little town, 900 people, 700 of them lived in one subdivision. So it was very easy to walk. You can walk from one end to the other. Pray for the whole town in one hour. One hour. (laughs) Literally, it took me one hour. And so I did that. And at the end of one year, we had just a really powerful um, uh, manifestation of God just moving in in that little town. And then next morning on Monday morning, from uh, after the Sunday, uh, after the last Sunday, I walked there. uh, The probation department called me and they said, "Hey, Chris." we are doing, um, we have all these kids on probation, and Lewiston was really the armpit of, the, of Trinity County. It was where mm. all, it was where most of the, most of the juvenile and crime, and juvenile delinquents and crime happened in that little town, in that little yeah. community. Uh, a big county, but small community. And um, they said, we're, we're meeting with parents, and we're, every, every uh, juvenile that we have, we are, we're, 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 um, every parent has to meet with us and we're teaching, uh, wow. them how to raise kids basically. Yeah. So if your kid was on probation, you had to go to this class for three months. That's incredible. And so they said, you know, it's on uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And we'd like to know if you would like to take the kids and do something with them for two nights a week. 
hmm. while we were working with the parents. And I'm like, that'd be great. So they yeah. said, you know, we know you're a pastor and you, you know, the only thing is you, you know, you can't preach to these kids. Like you can't shove Jesus down their throat or anything. Mm-hmm. So they uh, allowed me to have a gym that had been built like 70 years ago when they built the uh, when they built the Trinity Dam, and the gym hadn't been open for 50 years. I swept the thing out six, you know, like this whole pile of dirt and like an inch and a half, two inches of dirt in the place, and we Drunk and, yeah. it, it leaked like a sieve in the winter. And um, we played basketball and volleyball there, and my you know obviously my commitment was for 90 days. And, and so we played basketball and volleyball. Then at halftime, I taught them, you know, I couldn't teach the Bible, but right. I taught them kingdom principles. And the yeah. very first night, I, I taught on sex. And uh, I taught on sexuality, and I told the story. It's actually in the story. It's in the book, More Revolution. Right. And I, I just, I got the story. Um, yeah, I made the story up, but I, I got the idea about probably two minutes before I got to the gym that night, that very first night. I was super scared. And, uh, and the Lord just gave me this metaphor, this story, this parable. Mm-hmm. And I told this parable, and basically the parable was about um, this, this guy uh, buying a ring for the woman of his dreams who he didn't yet have, and fighting for this ring and keeping this ring and yep. going into the service and hiding the ring in his helmet and losing it in a battlefield and going back for it and getting shot and you know risking his life for this ring. and. Yep. And then uh, finally, and he keeps seeing the woman of his dreams in the diamond in the ring. And, you know, finally he ends up in a mash unit. And, and this woman, you know, that, you know, that he's been dreaming of turns out to be his nurse. And anyway, he asks her to marry him. And they get married. And he, and he had bought this ring, this $10,000 ring for the woman's dreams. And then on, the, on their honeymoon night, you know, he presents the ring. And um, and then the next morning they go out and play on the beach and she loses the ring. Yeah. And uh, and then so I so I am sharing the story with about thirty seven young people sitting on park benches, who are not believers. Like these right. are juvenile delinquents, right? <laughs> and uh, and I tell the story and at first when I first start telling the story and I'm super nervous and they're like, man, do we effing have to listen to the story? What are you effing saying? Da da da. You know, it's just like and I oh my goodness. <laughs> And so I, I start telling the story, and about five minutes, the story gets quiet, and they start listening to this man yeah. that's you know is fighting for this. He's he working for this ring. He's fighting for this ring. He's almost dying for this ring, and then his 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 new wife loses the ring, and they and they all go, oh, and uh, and then I go, and your ring, the ring is your virginity. And the value of your virginity is in the blood, sweat, and tears it takes to get your Absolutely. virginity from the battlefield all the way to the honeymoon suite. So at night you lay with your lover, you have something to give them, you have to fight to keep. Mm-hmm. And the, there was two, there was a guy and a gal that were the two toughest in that, in my, sure. in that group. And, and everyone was afraid of them. And the guy goes, like, he's weeping and he goes, no one effing ever told me this. <laughs> Just like that. It's unbelievable. And the girl goes, me neither. Yeah. And 37 kids weeping about the fact that no one told them that their virginity was valuable. Mm-hmm. And um, I was uh, so moved. And I'm like, these kids got no daddy yeah. to tell them Man. 
about sex. And you know, and we and I and I've since learned, you know, that the world perverts sex. Religion shames it, but the kingdom celebrates it. And from that that day forward, I ended up being with those kids. That that group grew to 110 to 120 kids a night. I did that that group for five years, two days a week, for free. You know, they became like my family. I adopted my oldest son out of that group. Wow. And I, for the first time in my life, I actually realized that, you know, Proverbs says, to a famished person, any bitter thing seems sweet. And I realized that the church is chucking rocks at immorality, immorality, but they're not teaching people right from wrong. So we stand up and we're like, we react to everything. So it's like we have our anti-gay sermons. And, we, we, and we, we're always telling people about perversion. But we never teach them about the right version. Mm-hmm. Man, that's good. And I'm like, how do you, you know, and, and everything we do seems so, is so reactionary. And it's like, you know, it's like, Someone said, like, we should do a series on homosexuality. I'm like, we never do a series on sexuality. <laughs> right. Like, why, why would we stand up and preach about homosexuality when we haven't taught our people about sexuality? Mm-hmm. And, we, and we rage against the school system where Planned Parenthood, who are, I think is the most evil organization in the history of the modern world, mm-hmm. I think they will, be, they will go down in history 100 years from now as the as the gas chambers hmm. of Hitler's Nazis. Yeah. They've killed more uh, children than any other organization in the history of the world. But we, we rage against those kind of machines and we and 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 the fact that they're teaching their perversion in the school system. But we have people Sunday after Sunday. Yeah. Not equipped all over the world. Yeah. And we say if we say anything about sex, it's what's wrong with it. Mm-hmm. And I, and I realized that day, then I dedicated my, my heart to teaching people, teaching people what, about what the kingdom says about sexuality. Mm-hmm. And that God is not ashamed of your sex drive. And that God yep. is not trying to get you to not have a sex drive. And that when God said, be fruitful, multiply, he's the one who gave us a sex drive. Yeah. And I began to learn, like, the goal isn't to get rid of your sex drive. The goal is to learn how to manage your appetite. Mm-hmm. And that our job was to teach people how to nobly manage their self mm-hmm. towards one man, towards one woman. Because the beauty of sex is in the connection that you make with your soulmate for life. Yeah. And that it's really, it's, sex is so beautiful. And we've, we have so shamed it that, you know, couples get married even Christian couples get married and they're like they're afraid to like they're afraid to do anything besides like you know right. it's like have intercourse for kids yeah it's like and yet we learn through the, through you know the Song of Solomon and through you know Paul's writings and through you know just the writings of even Moses that that sex was actually celebrated and beautiful mm-hmm. and an adventure yeah yeah I mean, the, the, I've heard that story and read that story now so many times. Yeah. For those listening, if you haven't, you need to, to grab the book. And, and, you know, Chris gave a, a cliff notes of that story. That parable's yeah. powerful. Yeah. Um, one of the things I think with it that I'd love for you to maybe speak into for a second, and this I think would be applicable no matter where people are at. 
th- that idea of revaluing sex, yeah, where it's been devalued, it's it's been considered, hey, it could be casual, you know, you with those those kids at that um, in that juvenile delinquent program where you help them realize, hey, this is a valuable thing to have. Right. How do you encourage somebody out there that maybe has that they've bought into that lie that, hey, this you can do this without strings attached. This is this doesn't have value. Or even the pastor, I think, a lot of times pastors can feel frozen. It's like, I don't want to make this person, de- I don't want to demonize or we shout, like you said, we shout the wrong way. Where do you find that middle ground? How do we give value to something, draw lines, but do it in a, in a really gracious way, gracious to ourselves because God gives us grace and then gracious to the people we lead? Well, a, a few things. First of all, you and I don't have to add value to sex because God already did. Yeah. So we all we have to do is like, you know, put on our God glasses and take off our religious right. glasses and reread the Bible. That's a, that's for, for all of us who are believers. We, it needs to start Man, there. And that's so good. And, you know, and just read through the Bible, like from Genesis to revelation, God talks about sex mm-hmm. literally, yep. literally from Genesis to revelation talks about immorality of Jezebel in the book of revelation. And obviously we talked about the Genesis of, of sexuality in, yep. in the book of Genesis. So it's like for, for us to leave out that subject, Mm-hmm. is is it, at worst not i mean at best not wise yeah well and i think when, when so one of the things that 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 what you just said sparked in me is not so much behavior modification but really identifying what do we believe about the word of god what do we believe about god because that shifts our perspective of how we view these things exactly and how do i manage my sex drive without the grace of god in my mm-hmm. life whether i know the lord or not because yeah. we know that the lord helps unbelievers before they believe right right but how how do i actually manage this you know especially when i'm you know 16 to you know 45 50 how do i manage this monster inside of me Mm -hmm. without the grace of god helping me (laughs) and what i do is you know i end up with i end up with crutches like you know pornography or and, and masturbation and you know, uh, adulterous relationships and fornicating relationships and homosexuality and all kinds of crazy sexuality because I, I'm like, I don't know how to manage the monster. Right. And I'm like, well, you, you don't have to manage the monster. You can, you can actually tame the man, yeah. tame the woman. Mm-hmm. And, and when we add, when we do it, when we, when we, first of all, when we embrace, like, I'm not ashamed of this, this is who I am. Yep. I'm not ashamed of the fact that I'm, if I'm a 16 year old, I'm not ashamed of the fact that I'm thinking about sex like, you know, 12 hours out of, 13 mm-hmm. it's like this is how i was created now how i think about it how i manage it the virtues God, I, you know what we're teaching people is that you can live your life from stances so or you can live your life from circumstances yeah i've but heard you say that life, a number of times it's powerful yeah if you live your life from stances then first of all you have to know what your stances are right you gotta figure out <laughs> like, what those are who the heck am i <laughs> And if I'm, if this is who I am, how do people like this behave? Yeah, you know, if I'm actually noble, then how do noble pe- people behave? Well, they don't behave like dogs in heat. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. they, they don't behave like a cat in heat. You know, it's like that's not who I am. Mm-hmm. And I think that those are all, you know, these are these are things that uh, Cole, that we need to be teaching people, Cole, because the world has lost sight of like. They've lost sight, obviously they've lost sight of God, and they've lost sight of like, well, if God didn't want me to behave like this, why did he give me 
a sex drive. And, and we're like, we don't know. Just don't do it. He's the cosmic killjoy. Like, he said no. <laughs> right. Like, it's like, well, those, those are fine answers for, fine answers for religious people. Mm -hmm. God said no, so just don't do it. It's evil. Right. But those don't work for thinking people. Yep. And, and we, you know, we're, we're touching a very thinking world. Mm -hmm. And we're, we as believers are becoming less and less relevant because we've turned off our minds and said to people, just do what God said, it'll all work out. It's like, I don't know, God gave us a, the ability to think. He gave us the mind of Christ. He gave us free will. Yeah. He gave us all these things. And, and our job is to connect to God and, and ask the hard questions like, God, why? Mm -hmm. Man, that's so good. Well, I want to wrap up. And, and just kind of recap a couple of things that stuck out that Chris said that just is like specific um, practicals you can walk away with. I think that that statement of reread the Bible, yeah. I, I, I honestly find I'm doing that right now. Yeah. I mean, we've been here for just three months. And I'm, I'm seeing after sitting through the services and, and watching a lot of the teachings on Bethel TV, I feel like I'm rereading the Bible in other areas. Like I'm seeing verses... And scripture's totally different. I think there's something to that, you know, yeah. for those that, you know the Bible. I grew yeah. up in the church. I've read through the entire Bible. I couldn't tell you how many times. But I think that there are seasons where God says, hey, reread this with this perspective, trying to find these answers. And in the area of sexuality, like Chris said, and I encourage you, if you're trying to find answers, take some time and reread the Bible with an open perspective to, hey, maybe God isn't demonizing this. Maybe maybe this is a, a gift. And, and really kind of dive into some of those scriptures. It's really good, cool. The second thing I would encourage you with is, you know, Chris, you mentioned the breaking of shame because yeah. the church has kind of created some of that. I've always wondered that. Like Partnered with it at least. Yeah, at least partnered with it. And we there's so many people that aren't in the church that at least seem like, hey, sex isn't an issue for them. And then all these young married couples get married and they can't even have sex in marriage and yeah. stuff like that. And I think I just encourage anybody, one of the things I've found to be the kryptonite of shame is conversation. Is yeah. Shame wants you to be private. It wants you to think that nobody else has this issue. You know, we, exactly. we're going to share some of my wife and I's story. And a big part of our story was sex was horrible at first in our marriage. We went a year and a half without it. There was a lot of complications for us, and that's a, that's hard as a married couple, and everybody's acting like sex is great and it's not great for you. That could kind of cripple you to want yeah. to talk through it. Adds to shame. Totally. And it's a different type of shame, but for us it was shameful to say, hey, we're supposed to be loving this and we're not. Conversation with the right people, with our leaders, you know, the people that were father figures and mother figures in our life. Caitlin, my wife, we ended up going to counseling together. And so... I just encourage you, if you're struggling with pornography, if you're struggling with sexual addiction, if you're not having sex in marriage, whatever it is in the sexual realm that you feel embarrassed about, conversations with the right people that God has placed there is going to be the anecdote to shame. So it's, good. God's going to be able to use that for new perspective. And I think a new understanding when you're rereading the Bible, those conversations, it's going to give the Bible new context. It's beautiful. Um, and then lastly, I think what, what Chris said, and that, I think that's so much of, of where he was at even when this movement started, what is God really saying to you right now about this? Plug into the Holy Spirit. If you've allowed things in your life to be distracting, phone, time, 
you know, I, I find myself too net, doing too much Netflix. I get into a TV series and I'll watch <laughs> it and get consumed. But I realize a week later I haven't really sought God in a week. Yeah. Um, I think there's always a need for reconnect. Totally. So I encourage you wherever you're at, assess that. Are, do you feel connected enough to hear his direction? And if not, what do you got to do to reconnect so you can hear his perspective, his truth? Uh, thank you for, for tuning in. We're so excited for 2018 and the things coming up. Um, yes. Thanks, Chris, for, for being thanks, here. Thanks and for having me. Week. And God bless each one of you. And may God just lead you into great sex. Great sex That's right. <laughs> and inside of marriage, of course. And may he bless all of you and your children. That's right. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to the Moral Revolution podcast, pursuing God's design for sexuality. For more content, visit moralrevolution.com and follow us on social media.